0: In uh, 1944, excuse me, not 1944, 88, actually it was April of 88, a photographer went uh, skydiving with a number of other skydivers. And um, the news reported on that day that as he went out, he got out and he filmed all the other skydivers coming out. And it was a live broadcast, a live telecast. And as he was filming the last one, he went to pull a chute and he realized that he didn't have one. Now I gotta tell you, when, when, I, when I read that, my heart started thumping. I can't think of anything worse than to be falling from the sky without a chute. I can't think of anything worse than knowing that the only impact you're going to make is the dent that you make into the ground. Um, it's a scary thing when you think about it. To go through life in a free fall, to think that everything's okay and that you're enjoying the people around you and, and you're getting a perf- perfect view of what's going on, only to realize that some point, you're in a free fall. Only to realize that at some point, your life has been fretted away for lesser things. To see that your free fall has been a free fall of nothing but pain, and humiliation, and a lack of impact upon anyone's life. As we continue our series on majoring on the minors, um, we're going to look at that because it's something that every single one of us has to look at. It's something that all of us struggle with. How do you live life in a way that you don't become distracted, you don't become ambitious for the things of this world, you don't become dysfunctional like the world and end up finding yourself just falling without an impact, without making a difference for Christ. That's what we're going to look at. When we look at this prophet this morning that we're going to take up, his name is Nahum. Um, He's not a prophet that most people are aware of. That's why we call him the minor prophets. People usually get to Isaiah and they they stretch through him and then they, they get to Jeremiah. But when you start to get to the minor prophets, people tend to just kind of lose interest. But Nahum's prophecy, Nahum's message is a very, very pertinent one for every single person here. And so this morning, I want to look at the message. and I want you just to keep in mind the words that he says, the impact that he's looking for and the lesson that we're going to share that's going to help, I hope, every single one of us to at least know how to avoid just going through life in a free fall not knowing that the impact's coming. If you could put the uh, (coughs) scripture up on the screen. A prophecy concerning Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum of Elkoshite. Now, let's look at that for a minute. Who was Nahum? He was a prophet around uh, 656 B.C., um, we're not too, too sure on the dates. And he was a prophet who was called to prophet to Nineveh. Now, we looked at uh, another prophet who was called to speak to Nineveh. Who was that? Jonah. Nahum came about a hundred years after Jonah. A hundred years after after Jonah spoke. In fact, what was the success rate of Jonah? It was 100%. He went and he spoke to the Ninevites not thinking he was going to have any impact, not thinking that that they were going to listen to him and repent and turn around and change their lives. And what happened? They all did. In fact, even, even the king turned his life around. And now, a hundred years later, Nahum comes on the scene with another prophecy for Nineveh. Something had shifted. Over a hundred years from the time in which the people had heard the message and received it and embraced and transformed their lives by God's word, a hundred years later, there's a shift. Let's look at the text. The Lord is slow to anger, but great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. His way is in the whirlwind, and the storm and clouds are the dust of his feet. Now you say, what does that little poetic ditty he mean? It means this. Nineveh's, uh, Nahum's saying as he's writing to the Ninevites, that your time is up, that, that God has been patient with you long enough, in fact, God came to you when you were one of the most depraved nations on the face of the earth, and he gave you a chance. And now a 100 years later, you've reverted back. Somehow, you as, as a nation forgot God's grace. Somehow you as a nation have forgotten the blessings that God has granted you. And you've just gone right back to where you were before. A a nation that was godless, a nation that was heartless, that would just do the cruelest things to its own people, a nation that was lawless, that would use the uh, influence of the rich to corrupt and oppress the poor. A A nation that was aimless, that was free falling, not knowing that the impact was coming, not knowing that their end was near. How does that happen? How does a nation hear God's word, become impacted by it, repent, become transformed, change totally, and a hundred years later disappears, as if nothing had ever happened Well, let me ask you this. How does it happen within the Christian life? How does it happen that one man, one woman receives Christ, commits their life to him, and then the next generation comes and followers become believers They don't follow, but they believe. And then the the next generation comes around and believers become hearers. They hear, but they don't believe. And they definitely don't follow. And then the next generation comes and hearers become mockers. How does that happen? Well, Nahum points to it. They forgot God. They took God for granted. They went from a country that was a country that had been influenced to a country whose state of being influenced became a state of being ambivalent to a state of being resistant, to a state of being defiant. Look at at the text again. The Lord is slow to anger, but great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. His way is in the whirlwind and in the storm. Now, let me kind of fill you in on this. What Nahum is saying is this. The God who is going to judge you now is a God who is very, very patient. He is a God of second and third and fourth chances. He is not a God who looks to bring judgment on anyone. But he's also a God not to be trifled with. I want you to look at those words. His way is the whirlwind and storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. Can you put up a passage by Hosea chapter 8? Hosea says this, and in in Hosea he's talking about Samaria. He says, They sow the wind and they reap the whirlwind. They sow the wind and they reap the whirlwind. Now go back to Nahum again. His way is the whirlwind in the storm. Now, what is Nahum saying? He's saying this. Judgment and justice has come upon you. Not because I am a angry wrathful God not because I'm some God that's different from the Old Testament and the New Testament. You hear people talk that, say that all the time, that the God of the Old Testament is an angry God and the God of the New Testament is a love. Well, that's just baloney. <laughs> because when you read the New Testament, you will also see a God who in the end will bring judgment, a God who will usher in punishment. But he's a God of love it's not something that he wants for his people just the opposite he's a god who travels with redemption in his hands he's a god who offers it through his mouth and ultimately he's a god who gives it in the crucifying of his own son but you see what happens generation by generation People start to sow the wind, and after a while they begin to reap the whirlwind. After a while, they find themselves free falling, making no difference and no impact, except the one that they're going to make in the dent in the ground that they hit. Think about that. How easy it is to move from breakthrough where, we, where our hearts are quickened and convicted and, and we move to confession and yet somehow we go from breakthrough to breakdown and then break up Without ever turning back, without ever saying, "God help me i'm slipping I, I had a person see me a, a while back, a really sharp person and um, and they were telling me about, about how they were concerned because they thought that they had been they were drinking a little too much, that it was one glass of wine at night, and then it became two, and then it was when She was doing her Bible study, having a glass of wine. She realized there might be a problem here. Again, God bless her. She realized, I'm sowing the wind. And if I keep this up, I'm going to reap the whirlwind. If I keep this up, there's going to be a huge problem. Problem. See, Jonah went and he preached to the people. He preached good news of salvation to them. And they accepted it. But somehow, through the generations, there was a breakdown. Somehow, one generation began to take it for granted. And then the other generation thought it wasn't that important. And the next generation said, hey, look, There are better things to do with my time than worship God. There are better things to do with my time than struggle bringing my kids to the temple when they don't want to go. There are better things to do with my time than to argue about religion or, or upset people. And from generation to generation to generation, they sow the wind. And then they reap the whirlwind. They're like a photographer who's having a great time as he's filming other people parachuting from a plane. And it's exciting because the view is great and it's wonderful to see everybody smiling and, and having a great time and then realizing reality just kicked in. I'm free falling and I'm out of control and I can't save myself no matter how much I try to run or fly or kick and scream I'm out of control. How do we not end up like that? Here's a lesson of Nahum It's only when we take responsibility for history can we leave a legacy. It's only when we take responsibility for history can we leave any kind of legacy. It's only when we understand that God has made us for impact in this world to make a difference It's only then that we can live lives that aren't aimless. It's only then we can live lives that aren't helpless. It's only then that we can live lives that that aren't fruitless. Think about it. How many of us live lives not recognizing that we have a responsibility to history? Now, when I hear the word history, I always think, his story. Because to me, that's what God is. That's what history is. It's a story of God and what he's done for his people. It's only when we take responsibility for history can we leave any real legacy. Think about some of the people you know. Think about some of the people you know who have passed away. Think about how many of them really made an impact. You know what happens when we forget God? When we forget his grace and his power and his mercy and his love? We start acting small because we start believing we are small. We start believing that we don't really matter, that we can't really make an impact. And so on the timeline of history, we're flatlined. And yet that's not what God intended. The power of one, one apostle named Paul, One reformer named Martin Luther. Another reformer named Martin Luther King. I mean, you can look throughout history and you can even look in secular history, Gandhi and other, one person who was willing to take responsibility for history. God has placed you upon this earth and he has numbered your days. And he has given you his spirit and all of the gifts necessary to go and make an impact. One housewife to another. One housewife who who prays for her kids and reaches out to her neighbors and goes to school, school meetings and tries to be a good example and gain an opportunity to share Christ. One father who is willing to live a life of integrity and purity and righteousness and who's willing to engage with this kid and be a coach to share with other kids. One businessman who's willing to be ethical and live balanced And strategically wait for the opportunities to share the power of God's love. One doctor, one lawyer, you name it. The power of one person who understands that God has put me here from this time to this time within the timeline of history And I'm supposed to do my part to make a difference. See, I I don't think we live like that. I think we live our lives for the most part, part in gratification. We get up every day and we hope that Dunkin' Donuts will have a short line and we'll get our coffee. And then we hope when we get to work that maybe the boss will be away and not bother us and and, and maybe we can have a longer lunch, or maybe we can get out early and go home, and and, and maybe our, our spouse will be in a good mood, and and the kids will be quiet, and my favorite TV show will be on. That's a good day. Yeah, that really shows up on the timeline of history, doesn't it? Fred Williams, big fan of designated survivor and the world was changed. (laughs) What would happen if you believed God? If you took heed of the words of Jesus when he said... Ask for whatever you want in my name and it'll be given to you. You will go out and do greater things than what you've seen. What would happen if we believed that? What would happen if we realized, you know what? This is our time in history. And if we take responsibility, our life won't look like a free fall. It'll look like a legacy. Let me tell you something. When you live your life to leave a legacy, you also live your life to receive all sorts of opportunities that you would have never been able to make happen because that's what God does. For God has planned good works for us to do as the very beginning of creation. If we're willing to be obedient and we're willing to follow. That's just the deal. If you're willing to take responsibility for history, if you're willing to understand that you make a huge difference, you can make a huge difference You can be a marker on the timeline of the history of what God is doing in this world. Or you can just leave kind of a splat on the timeline. But that's the exciting thing. You matter. Right now, God is looking to us in this time of history to matter to make a difference. To lead lives that don't look like just some free-for-all, out of control. But to live lives of passion that spring forth a vision of what God would have us to do. That would be sealed in a resolution in the commitment that we will do it. That's what God is looking for. And our God is so good. He is so patient. No, he won't be mocked and and he won't allow us to live lives of presumption where we just think we're in and that's okay and, and God will just kind of skip over everything else he said because he didn't really mean it. God means it because God wants to partner with us to make a difference. I want to show you a, a clip. Uh, some of you have probably seen it, I think, in fact, I don't know it was. who brought it to me last week. Yeah, uh, this is from the movie Papillon. Can you turn that up? charge I'm innocent I didn't kill that pimp you couldn't get anything on me and you framed me that is quite true but your real crime has nothing to do with a pimp's death well then what is it yours is the most terrible crime a human being can commit I accuse you of a wasted life. Guilty. The penalty for that is death. Guilty. Guilty. That's what a free fall looks like. Sooner or later, you make an impact or you just make a dent in the ground. We can live lives worried about the things of this world and whether we've broken the laws of the land or whether we've appeased everyone and yet, in God's economy, we're guilty of wasted lives, of lives that have made no impact for Christ. No impact in the hearts of others. So, how do you live in a way that you can avoid it? One, you live by being broken. By every day waking up and reminding yourself that you're a sinner, saved by God's grace and only by his grace, that everything you have came by his hand and not yours. You live every day humbled and willing to be directed because you know without a vision from God you have no direction to live broken, so that you can walk in humility and not humiliation. Two, by being burdened, by being burdened for other people, to care that other people don't share in the grace and the gospel of Christ, We began this year, we're talking about each one reach one. And it comes out of a burden, out of a care. When Nahum was writing to Assyria, yeah, he was claiming God's judgment on them, but even within that was was his call to come back. How burdened do you really feel for other people? Because I would say this, if you don't feel burdened for other people to come to Christ, you're in a free fall. Because nothing else matters. Jesus didn't say go and make money. Go and make a lot of friends. Go and be popular. Go and have a good time. And then when we get back to heaven, we can all talk about it. He said, go and make disciples. Why? Because the time is short. And in each generation of history, there'll be those who will hear and believe and there'll be those who won't. And a good part of that will be by those willing to go and speak and share are burdened. Thirdly, be bold. Don't worry about what people will think. Be willing to put whatever you need to put on the table to reach out and care for another person in Christ or a would-be person in Christ. Your time, your talents, your money, whatever it takes. You see, to live a life of vision and resolution is to live a life of dedication where you dedicate everything to that purpose, to that cause. Be bold. Be willing to speak what is right and true and to do it in love and in brokenness but to do it with a burden, understanding. We've only got so much time. We only have our place in history. And then some others will come and take our place. And we will either make an impact or we won't. Our lives will show up as lives that have been well lived well-directed, or out of control with no impact. Back in Pompeii where everyone knows the great volcano that erupted Vesuvius, when they went back and they did expositions and mined it and archaeologists got involved, what they found was pretty incredible. They found people who had, who had run to different vaults and locked themselves in or who had run into caves deep in the ground thinking that they were gonna avoid it. Uh, they found uh, the, the, the king who, or the emperor who um, surrounded himself with others and military guards to protect him thinking that somehow he could be protected from the catastrophic quake. But one thing they found that was pretty cool was one Roman sentinel. One Roman soldier who stood at the gate and when they found his body, they found it standing with spear in hand, not moving. He was a person who understood I have been called in this time to boldly stand to sacrifice everything that an impact might be made for the people around me. That's what God is calling you to do. I bet you never even thought about that. that you're a history maker. And not only are you a history maker, but you have a responsibility to history. And if you live up to it, you'll have a blessed legacy. If you don't shrink back, you'll be able to share the gospel with your kids with passion. Not nagging or dragging, but putting up an example And allowing them to see it matters. You'll have an impact on your grandchildren. And on your great-grandchildren. And hopefully those children will have impacts on their children. Think of where we are as a country right now. We have become more broken and more bizarre because we have moved further and further away from Christ. I mean, you can measure it. The church, all of us as believers have have forgotten to take responsibility for history. Somehow we've been lulled to sleep thinking there's no impact in that. And yet we'll create a world and a culture that our kids will have to live in that'll become more barbaric because we weren't bold. Please join me in prayer.